Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hey, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pater Podcast. I'm Matt McGloin. Well, football might be over, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your Spets betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage. It's the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. The Patriot Podcast is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. And also Funk Brewing. Funk Brewing is the official craft beer partner of the Patriot Podcast. For the month of February, Funk has double citrus coming out. It's a big fan favorite along with their citrus IPA and their silent disco IPA. Uh, beer Advocate gave the double citrus IPA a score of 93 out of 100. It only arrives once a year, just in time for March. And we all know that all great things happen throughout March. St. Patrick's Day, March Madness, Impact Wrestling Sacrifice Event, you know, stuff like that. This is available now in Funk's tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York. And it'll be making its way to your favorite retailer shortly after. You can find Funk Brewing at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Trust me, their fresh, funky flavors will satisfy your craft beer-loving taste buds. For more information, visit www.funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With Nord's VPN's unlimited bandwidth, You'll never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe, or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All of us involved in the Pater podcast are proud supporters of Thon, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. Thon is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. Thon is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve the financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, Thon has now raised, and this number will change very soon, over $190 million in the fight against childhood cancer following uh, this past weekend's Thon you know, for, for 2022, so that number will change. Congratulations to everyone who danced, donated, and supported this fight. To learn more about Thon or to donate, visit Thon.org. That's Thon.org, T-H-O-N.org. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. 
And on a personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with an initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation, and it helps strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like. Post it on your social media channels and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in united. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. All right. Joining us now on the Pater podcast. And, you know, coach, this is a special one for me because, you know, our guest, uh, to those of you guys listening, our guest is someone who's had a massive impact on my life and has changed my career. Um, that's someone, former strength and conditioning coach, Penn State strength and conditioning coach, uh, Craig Fitzgerald Fitz. What's going on, man? It's uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's good to see your face. Well, it's great to see your face. And sorry, I'm a little blurry on this thing. That's okay because as long as I can see you, it's probably good. I'm blurry, so nobody can really see my face. <laughs> that's probably good. But you know, it's just a chance for us to catch up, which I'm excited about. Whether it's on a podcast or just catch up on the phone. It's, it's, I love, love catch up with you and hearing what you're doing. You know, and sometimes it's hard, like, you know, it's hard to keep in touch. Everybody's so busy. You know, we, we reconnected uh, a little bit with my uh, cup of coffee in uh, Houston with the Houston Texans, uh, all the, all those years ago, uh, you know, only lasted a, f- only, only lasted a few days there for some reason, which I've talked about in the podcast before. But we got two uh, lifts in during those three we days, did. you know? We, we, did. we excited got, about. We got great lifts in. We really did. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, you've been to Houston. You've been to Tennessee. Obviously, the New York Giants. So talk to me a little bit about what life has been like for you since Penn, since Penn State. And then, you know, we'll, we'll go back in and, and, and dive, uh, dive into our career at Penn State. Yeah, uh well, it's funny. I, I left Penn State kicking and screaming. Um, you know, Coach O'Brien, and, and he, he did an awesome job there, obviously, and he had a great opportunity at the Houston Texans. And he, I remember coming into the weight room and saying, hey, you know, the Texans, I'm going to go to the Texans, and I'll, I'll call back for you in a few days. And in those few days, I really was like, geez, I'd like to stay, you know. And just how our field works, um, Coach Franklin was coming in. He had his own strength coach, happened to actually be my mentor and, and a great strength coach. Uh, probably an improvement in an area and Dwight Galt. But uh, if I could have stayed at Penn State forever, I would have done it. That was a great spot for me and my family. And uh, two two years, it felt like, you know, a lifetime of just connections and relationships there. And we loved our time there. We really did. You know, it's a special place. And uh, that year was just so special. And what's insane is that we're coming up on 10 years here. Since that 2012 season, it's like kind of like where did that time go? And uh, you know that that certainly was fun. It's certainly you know a year that uh, I get asked about a lot. I think about a lot, you know. And uh, I just you know, but bu- I want to thank you actually. You know, everybody talks about Bill O'Brien, and you know, for me, how he saved my career, how he how he made me a better player, and and all that. And you know, let me say this to you, those of you who are listening: without this man right here, I don't become a better player. I don't become a better quarterback. I don't become a better leader. I don't become a better person. I don't get stronger physically. I don't get stronger mentally. I don't play in the NFL. Our team wouldn't have functioned in 2012. The team didn't get better. Right. And I fits, to be honest, I think we fall apart and collapse without you, without Craig Fitzgerald, 
Um, you know, I'm forever grateful for the job that you did. Um, and just not just like breaking us down, but then building us all the way back up from the ground up and, and to where we were able to go in 2012. Well, I mean, that you're a good, you're a great friend. Uh, and I, the neat thing about that was the leaders on that team were just such mature men, you know, and it, the age was young men, but they were such mature men. It was, it was like a, it was like a team with the coaches, you know, and I, I felt like part of your team, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't as much, Hey, the coaches 20, 20 floors above where the players are. It was like, we were all on the same floor, you know, and that was really cool because we became really close friends. And I would say maybe more than any other place I've coached, um, maybe because of the situation, but I think it was more, it wasn't because of the situation. I think it was more because of the people that we inherited there. When we came in there, the seniors on the 12 were just unbelievable. Uh, just unbelievable men. We, you know, you could have real conversations and we did just real peer conversations. So that's why I just think it would, all of us remember that time. All of us think about that time as just an important part of our lives, you know, and it, it was just for our, us coaches we always look at that as a very special point in our in our coaching uh, coaching lives. There's no doubt. How much easier does that make your job when you have? And I, I say it all the time: is we had very good football players, but we had great people, right? Does that make your job that much easier day in and day out when you have everybody willing to buy in? Because I don't remember a ton of guys not wanting to be there, not wanting to get better every single day. And there's a lot of positives that came out of the situation. The situation was you didn't, you didn't really have to be there. You could leave and go somewhere else and, you know, kind of free of charge. You know, hey, go ahead and start, start your new football life somewhere else. And, and we were actually 10 years ahead of our time. They can do that now, you know. <laughs> everybody can, <laughs> everybody got, like people say, geez, what's that like? I couldn't imagine coaching college football these days. I'm like, well, we did that in 2012. We had to recruit our players yeah. too. Like it, you know, and the neat thing was when everybody, all the dust settled and the line was drawn, and, and the guys that were stepped over the lines that were, were in, I mean, there was, it was just, those are the guys that wanted to be there. So easier, sure. More rewarding. Absolutely. You know, you'll never find, you know, you have points in your life where you're like, will we ever be in a situation like that with those type of people where that were just like all in all the time? No, not, you know, no. And, you know, it's unfair to put your teams that you have now as a coach, like in that same bracket of, connection you know it's just not going to happen and that and that's okay you know there's others there's other stops there's other important things that happen but you know i trace back that 12 team is just a very special point in connection and relationships yeah and you know that uh and i'm not sure if you've seen it yet that documentary that has recently come come out you know last year and we actually had a screening of it here um in scranton the turnout was great and the support from scranton area northeast pa when it comes to penn state football has has always been fantastic and you know you were in the film a lot talking about that year you know and one of the questions that i'd actually like to ask everyone that was a part of that staff was that when bill first called you and said hey fitz i want you to come to penn state what was the what was your initial reaction and then eventually what made you want to do it well i was in south carolina at the time and bill had a lot of opportunities going well, you know, he had a lot of professional opportunities come his way at that point. So 
you know, I always kid around. Like I thought he was calling about one of those NFL jobs. <laughs> so I, was, <laughs> I got, when I answered the phone, he said Penn State. I mean, my first reaction was like, "Oh, I thought you were calling about such and such." You know, so we had a yeah, yeah. Like, no man, I'm calling about Penn State. Like kind of like he got kind of mad, but we, so it was a little bit of like, "Oh man, I thought it was the NFL." Okay, because I had not been to the NFL yet. And so then he's like, no, it's Penn State. It's going to be great. And I asked him, hey, what's the deal with the situation? And he he did not know. And I don't think any, anybody knew. It was in fairness to everybody at Penn State. Nobody knew what was going to happen. He's like, look, here's what's going to happen. And it'll just be this. And we can go coach football. And football won't be affected. So it took me out a week. I, I was in a really good place in South Carolina. Steve Spurrier was a great coach. And he was a great person to work for. People see Coach Spurrier throwing the visor and – you know, maybe getting on the referees. But as far as like outside those three hours of being one of the most competitive people I've ever been around, what a great person to his staff, great family person. So he's hard, it was hard to leave Coach Spurrier. But I just sought the opportunity to work with Bill. Bill and I had worked together at University of Maryland. He was a running back coach and I was an assistant strength coach. John Butler was uh, as a high school classmate of mine. Um, and just the people that Coach O'Brien was bringing, like Ted Roof and, and other people, it was an opportunity to work with some Larry Johnson was already there, had a great reputation of being an excellent defensive line developer. So it just, it was exciting. And after a week of him in the hall and I woke up one morning and just said, I, I got to go, I got to go to this place. I got to jump in on this, the ground floor. And Bill had been there for a week and he was calling me and telling me about you guys. And he had done a team meeting and he said, Fitz, these guys, every one of them got up, shook my hand, looked me in the eye. You're going to love coaching these guys. And part of it, I think part of it was recruiting as I look back now on it and just, you know, you have a good chuckle, but like he knew what would make me excited about it. And he's like, by the way, you know, they're excited about, you know, a lifting program that would involve this, this and this. And so I was excited about the opportunity just to just to teach something different, you know. Um, and so just everything lined up. And, and then, I, you know, after a week, it was just like it was a no brainer. I had to do it. But I was leaving a team that went 11 and 2. And won the Capital One Bowl, beat Nebraska in the Capital One Bowl at South Carolina. We had really good, talented players. And just to show you how little the strength coach means sometimes, they went and won 11 games two years, next years after I went to Penn State. They didn't need me there. And that was one of the reasons why I did want to go to Penn State, because I think my work was done there. They had a really good strength coach taken over. And I was excited about the opportunity to start over at Penn State. So it was great for me, too. Well, we need we, we certainly needed you, because I'm glad you brought up the weight room and the strength program, because as a lot of people know, and a lot of Penn State fan knows, we were a big machine-type lift work until failure-type football program prior to you arriving. And even at that time, a lot of people consider that an out-of-date style of training for athletes. And to be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Like I think the goal of it was always to make you physically and mentally exhausted rather than I think improving each and every day. And I'll I'll never forget when you came in, you cleared the weight room out. It's to this day one of the greatest things I've ever seen, I've ever been a part of. Because you understand, we weren't used to that at Penn State. We weren't used to change. So when that happened, everybody was just kind of like, holy crap, here we go. Because I think in a lot of ways, we were hungry for a change. We needed a change. We wanted to be coached. We were eager to learn. So for the players and when it came to your weight room plan, what was it from the beginning? So strength and conditioning is a lot like, you know, hiring a coordinator for strength and conditioning is a lot like hiring an offensive or defensive or special teams coordinator. 
you know, there's a lot of similarities, you know, there's some key pillars that you have to stick with, but there's different playbooks. So there's, you know, look, there's hard work, there's effort, there's accountability. And that reigned through, through Penn State string conditioning before I got there from Chet Furman to John Thomas, through me, through Dwight Galt now. And then I, I think Chuck Losey is now the head guy now. So it's, it's about the players and the structure of the program, who the coaches are. So, you know, from Coach Paterno to Coach O'Brien to Coach Franklin, those things are always going to be there. Those are great coaches. That's that's a given. Um, and then John Thomas did a good job of, of adhering to those and pushing those values. So I just brought a different playbook, really. It was it was barbell-oriented, explosive lifting, power-influenced, you know, and at the end, speed-oriented and, and condition-oriented. So there, there was just some differences there of how we approached that. Um, we really liked the fact that our players could compete in the lifts and lift in bigger groups. And so, you know, you have Mike Mowdy, you know, Jordan Hill, Matt McGloin, you know, your great players, you know, competing and showing the young guys how to do this. So it wasn't like a, a one-on-one or a two-on-two, which that works as well. But we wanted, you know, 20 guys in the weight room, you know, cheering each other on, pushing themselves to new heights. And you, you can only do that through barbell training and doing similar lifts to the guy next to you. And we also like the fact that the players can see their progress numerically. So, you know, I know you're, when you got in there, you really attacked the squat was one of your big movements you attacked because you really felt like you could be a stronger runner and be able to withstand in the pocket if your legs got stronger. So you could see like maybe your first day was, you know, 225 for eight on the squat. But then, you know, at the end of the summer cycle, it's 315 for a set of eight on the squat. So you could actually see that numerical value pushing up and you could see it tangibly. So we really enjoyed that, setting goals for our players and just helping them get better on the basic lifts. Talking a little about the program, you mentioned like having guys in groups, things like that. And like what I was going to say is uh, like that was so hard. You know, for, for me, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but for me early on, because I had never done a power clean. I had never done a hang clean. I had never done a snatch. So it, it was all new to me. And like, I, I remember like it, it was just so difficult early on, you know, because like we were lifting with just the barbell, like you were teaching us form, everything like that. And it was just so new to everybody. But what I do remember for how hard it was and how difficult it was, everybody was still everybody still bought in. To what to what you were doing, and I think that's what was special. I think that's what's important. I mean, we believed in it. We were excited about it. But for you, did you ever think for like a second, you know, like maybe this isn't going to work with these guys? You know, the way I really knew it was going to work was when we couldn't drop the weights because we didn't have any Olympic bumper plates yet. You know, we ordered <laughs> yeah. all that stuff, right? So we had the metal plates from um, from the you know the rec center, really, where they wrestle. You know. And so we, we got a bunch of plates there. We had some from football and we were power cleaning with the barbell, but I wouldn't let you guys drop it on the floor because you would have broke the weights because they weren't <laughs> rubber. They were metal. So so I, I looked over Matt Stankiewicz. He power cleaned 275 for five without putting it down each time he would keep an inch off the floor. So he wouldn't drop it. He would put it mid shin, do it again, mid shin. So I said, Man, he's going to be, I won't even, I can't wait to repeat what I said, but I'm just like, we're going to be really stinking strong because these guys can't even drop the weights and they're power cleaning as much weight as we had at South Carolina. And they're, they're holding on to the bar the whole movement. It's going to yeah. be crazy when we get the bumper plates. So I, I realized by, 
by you know default, we couldn't do certain lifts the, the way you're supposed to do them, but it actually made us stronger. Uh, we couldn't squat uh, in a cage because we only had squat stands for the first three or four months in there before our equipment came in. So guys had to spot the sides and behind the guys. So it would be like one guy squatting, three guys spotting, and the teamwork that was de- developed. Because guys would go really hard and they they would fail sometimes, like yeah. on the last rep. And three guys had to be paying attention, you know. So you guys kind of saved my job because if somebody got hurt doing that, I would have been in some deep trouble. Because you, you, but you guys are real accountable about that. So that was pretty fun. That when we got the equipment, actually, Matt, the strength staff was almost like disappointed because we had a really cool thing going with just squat stands and plates. You know, I can't. Yeah, I just it was so it was so impressive the job like you guys you guys did with you know all the new equipment, all the new racks and everything like that. I mean, it was just it made you want to be in the weight room every day. You know, like and, you know, for the strength staff, uh, Deej Gall, Sean Hayes, and uh, you know Brian Bell, Steve Williams, Greg Muskinis. I mean, that crew, we, we just loved it because it was fun for us because you guys were learning how to do a new playbook, and it was fun for us to be the ones that taught it. So it was just, it was just cool all around. We were excited to be there. You know, you know, something I think about all the time. Uh, you know, because uh, I've been like I've been through a number of different programs, a number of different workouts, whether it's. Uh, you know, half gasser tests or, you know, just tempo run conditioning tests, things like that. I, I don't think off season workouts, whatever it may be, I don't think I will ever experience anything quite like the winter workouts outside on the turf at 530 in the morning. I, I don't think I'll experience anything like that for the rest of my life. You talk about brutal the jumping over the hurdles onto bags, rolling onto the frozen ground. Like those are the days, man, where like you ask yourself all the time, like, what am I doing? Like, this is brutal, you know, and you keep showing up, you keep busting your tail, you keep working hard. And like, that's for me, like when you know you got something special, because I've been a part of great teams and I've also been a part of teams that weren't very good, but like the special ones is where you don't think about yourself you think about not letting down the people around you, right? And it's like those workouts, those moments where you find out what what you're made out of. You find out what type of team you have and and what type of guys are committed. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of those teams, a lot of teams don't do the early workouts anymore. You know, and I was just checking with friends in the field. They don't do the 5.30 a.m. They do it at 3.30 p.m. And it's just, you know, I get it. It's but there is a sense of accountability the night before. I'm sure, you know, Matt McGloin and, you know, Jordan Hill are looking at their alarm clock like, hey, man, I bet I hope I wake up here at 430 so I can get over there. By there. You know, there's a little bit of like a of commitment and, you know, you, you can't have a late night the night before. So it's like a two day event, you know, for the players. So it puts a little anxiety in them. It's it's I think it's really good. I, I think it's a good stretch of time. It's about six weeks long, twice a week. So about 12 workouts. We made it competitive, which you guys really responded well to that because you guys were ultra competitive guys. But, you know, I just felt bad for the neighbors that lived around there because we'd have the music <laughs> blasting and the, the lights on. House, yeah. yeah. I lived a mile away from, from last, you know, so, but I, I think my wife could hear it in our neighborhood. We were booming the, the music and, you know, we were hitting it from about five thirty to about six forty five there, you know, finishing up on the tug. And uh, I just think it was a great, time when the only people up in state college was the football team and coaches. And I I think that's pretty cool. And you've accomplished a lot by the time it's 7am you're eating breakfast together and you've kicked, you've kicked some butt before most people even wake up, you know? So I think there's something, something to be said for that. It's like you create your own bubble. Like you create your own little world and nothing outside of it 
really exists. And like those, like for how brutal they were, like looking back on it, like even the summer workouts, now the summer workouts were some of the most fun that I've ever had working out, running hills, running in the sand pit, going back to the facility to lift, running what you call diesels, which were those 400 yard conditioning drills. That that was awful as well. Those were the days where Fitz, you look around and you're like, all right, there's a doctor right there. There's our head trainer. There's another trainer. In case I go down here, at least I know I have people around that can help me. Um, but when it like, but when it comes like the workouts like that, the winter workouts being outside as opposed to being in Holuba, uh, for you, what's the like? What's the theory behind that? Is it more physical for you, mental there, or is it all mental? Well, you better have a good athletic trainer. And Tim Bream was 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 yeah. great because Tim Bream would be the the voice of reason. You know, it was five degrees out. He'd try and get me and Bill to go inside, and sometimes he'd, he'd succeed. You know, he'd get us like, you know, he, he would be like, no, we're going inside. Then those are the days you did because Tim had the right of way, a medical professional. And he probably, he probably saved everybody, including us, in a lot of ways on some of the stuff. But the commitment to excellence of Penn State was was top grade because, you know, when I got there, uh, the grounds, director of grounds grabbed me and said, get in my pickup truck. I want to show you something. And he shows me this big hill right behind the baseball right field, yeah. that, you know, where the spikes play and, and the Penn State plays. And, you know, unbelievable hill, best hill I've ever had as a strength coach to train players on. Then he goes, hey, we can build you a sand pit right next to the hill. 50 yards by 50 yards. I mean, there's no sand pit. That's 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 like Avalon, New Jersey over there. Like there's no <laughs> – nobody has a sand pit even remotely as big as that thing, you know. So we would jog over there once a week in the summer and half the guys would run the hill and half the guys would be in the pit doing agilities. And then we'd switch. I mean, we had an hour and 50-minute running workout, just hills and sand pit. And that Friday grind was great for our players, developing a great conditioning base for them and just something different. It wasn't the same old thing because of the commitment to putting those two things in. And, you know, every week they'd mow the grass on the hill, they'd line it. And then every week they'd, you know, get the sand pit ready after they build it. So those were great tools for our players, including the weight room we put in. Um, yeah. No expense was spared, you know. And that was an amazing tool for the coaches and players to get better quickly on. So the commitment to excellence Penn State had was was something that was awesome to be a coach, you know, for. It was great. Was it, uh, not just at Penn State, but throughout your career, like, is it easy for you to tell which guys are going to make it and which ones aren't based on what they do throughout conditioning drills and, and lifting? Well, you know, you're, you're a great example of this, and a lot of your teammates were too. You, you made it in the NFL for a while because, uh, you know, you had enough talent to get into the NFL, but then you had the mental toughness and the intelligence and the drive to continue to get better every day. And I never forget we when I was with Houston and we played the Raiders and you're the first guy out there doing quarterback drills and you know having a guy work you out. And I wouldn't ever say hello to you, but I knew it was gonna be like a one second of low because you were, you know, dialed in on your on your training. And I just loved it. I said, Man, that's why Matt McGloin is making in the NFL. Whereas there's, there's other people that are taller that, you know, have, you know, maybe better genetics for, for, for that, for, for the quarterback play than you do. And you see that, but you see it across the NFL uh, and guys like you that make it, it's really, you know, a commitment and it's mental toughness. It is. And especially the quarterback position, you just look around, you know, who are the great quarterbacks, you know, and I, I don't, I'm not a quarterback guru, so I'm not going to sit here and start naming them, but it's at every position, you know, at the Giants, at Houston, where I've been, 
you'll see guys that are in their eighth year. They're like, geez, I, I coach guys better than these guys in college talent wise, mm-hmm. but they just, every day they get a little bit better. They're great teammates. They do things the right way. So you can see that. You can see why a guy like Mike Mowdy would be drafted and make it for six years after three knee, knee surgeries. Yeah, yeah. And you just, like, and I've talked to scouts about Mike. Like, yeah, we just knew he had something. That's why we took a chance on him. And, you know, and it's just, it's just awesome. But yeah, there is, it's like if you went to training camp, any training camp in the NFL, there was 90 guys who took the numbers off the jerseys and you were just a fan. You could not tell exactly the difference between each guy who was who. You just couldn't at each position. Yeah. But there's, there's separators, and those separators are usually internal. And uh, that's what makes the great players. Is that the biggest difference you've seen, obviously, coaching in college and in the NFL is just the ability for guys to be able to do it every single day, the consistency? Rather than right, yeah, absolutely. And you know, my my son now, my oldest son is getting ready to go to high school. He's in eighth grade, so you know, I train him a little bit when we we have a little bit of time. But you know, like if he has a bad day, I said, well, that's the difference. Like your bad day has to be meet the the standard. So the standard's the standard, and the guys that can meet the standard every day, you know, some days are gonna be better than others. Are the guys that make it for a long time, and, and you can see that pretty quickly as as a strength coach. Who are those guys? And and you and you love stories that guys improve upon that. But some guys have the natural ability to just be mentally tough, mature, make good decisions, and they're going to go for a long time. Really are. Yeah. Well, uh, when you look back on 2012 and outfits, and uh, you know, it's it's funny you bring up uh, how old your oldest son is now because I remember when you used to bring him in the weight room at Penn State and weigh them in on the scales. <laughs> I let them lie on the power plates. Probably cause damage for life. They lie there with their head on the power plate, and I'm like, maybe that's not a good idea. But we're <laughs> starting to see the repercussions now. <laughs> well, so when you look back on 2012, and obviously, you know, when it comes to you, a lot of great memories, you know, come up. Obviously, all those workouts, off season things like that. You know, uh, the Purdue game where you're doing the up downs before games. Uh, you know, that was all Bill O'Brien, by the way. That was a. Is that right? Is that right? That was a spark. Yeah, he said, hey, we, we need something here, man. Give us something. This is right during the stretch. I'm like, geez, Bill, it's a little bit of late notice here. I can't really pull a sledgehammer out and a, and a torch and a, and a helmet to fire up and smash. You know, like right during the stretch. That was all. That was Bill O'Brien gets all the credit for that. It was just like, okay, well, all I have is my T-shirt. I'm just going to rip that off and hopefully nobody sees the dad bod too close. And here we go, you know. <laughs> and then then Mike Mike made nice his first tackle of the game on me. So it was all good. No, that was, that was awesome. Fun. That got us. That got us pumped up. I think the fans loved it as well. Uh, you know, obviously, you never, you always had a t-shirt and shorts on on the sideline, regardless of whether it was eighty degrees or that Wisconsin game, which was one of the coldest games I've ever been a part of. Um, but when you look back on that year, you know, uh, what are some of your favorite memories? What are some of the things you think about? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, we started off zero and two. You know, and it wasn't just an zero and two. Like it was an zero and two where it. As you look back on it, sure, we were on to. We had basically a brand new team. Guys had left that were in key positions. Guys needed to step up. This is all after spring football. So, of course, you're going to start off slow. We never really had a spring ball with the unit that we were going with in camp. I mean, that's it. So, I mean, June, you know, a bunch of key guys leave. And now, okay, now the, the guys that were behind them are stepping up. They haven't had the experience yet. So, there's a lot of growing pains early. Uh you know, lost to Ohio U in a really tough one early. I don't need to go game by game, but the first two are really important. And Virginia, what a great situation after the game. You know, our, our field goal kicker had a, had a tough game. Um, but again, there's a guy who got thrust into the role 
probably a year early. Uh, a lot of people got on and just to see the way the head coach and the team rallied around this guy. Yep. You know, we had everybody in the, the, the tri-state area calling Bill O'Brien and tell him they could kick field goals for him, you know? So <laughs> it was, it was, it was so, so Bill came out from the media, stuck with him. All the players stuck with him. Okay. And then the last game of the year, you already mentioned the coldest game that we played in Wisconsin, you know, he wins the game. I mean, that's kind of the season it was. So, like, it was continued growth because Sam Ficken was another Penn State guy that was mentally tough that just needed opportunities to improve, and he did. And he's kicking in the league forever, okay? And, you know, the, the team bond, great teammates around him. That was what I remember. So, just a continuing improvement every single week where you're playing your best football the last game – and we were actually – we lost our most inspirational player on defense in before the the hardest game we were going to play. And still, because the team was set – the bomb was set so strong and players had developed every week that the next guy up and the guys rallied around him. I mean, Gerald Hodges said we're all, you know, wearing 42. We're all doing that. That's what we're doing. I mean – just to see those, you know, that whole bond, it was, it's, it's amazing. It'll never be another year like that for me in coaching. Um, I'm so happy I was a part of it. So team bonding, improvement every week, um, players that were mature beyond their years, that were great teammates and great to the coaches. That's what I always remember about that team. Yeah. Well, um, it's again, it's crazy that it's been 10 years. You know, it's, it's probably the most fun I've ever had playing football, you know, throughout my entire life. You know, being a part of something that's just bigger than you are. Ha- have it, I talk about it all the time too, having everybody buy in to and everybody, everybody buy into their role, whatever it was. Guys just wanted to be a part of what we were doing, whether that's four plays on special teams, whether that's eight carries in a game, you know, it, it, it didn't matter. And that was such a healthy environment. Um, and that's the way it should be played. And, you know, I, I mean, it, it, was, it was fantastic catching up with you, Fitz. I can't, I can't thank you enough for, for joining me on the show. You know, you are, uh, again, and I, again I, I don't think you get enough credit, you know, for, for the job you did in 2012, you know, and, uh, you know, guys like you, guys like Bill, you know, you are the reason Penn State is where it is today, you know, um, and I hope, I hope people don't lose sight of that. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.